Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads. Hi, it's Deb in Halifax. Hi, it's Simone in Vancouver. Hi, it's Tanya in Edmonton. Our latest read is Superfan, How Pop Culture Broke My Heart, a memoir. And for most of Jen Sukfong Lee's life, pop culture was an escape from family tragedy and a means of fitting in with the larger culture around her. Anne of Green Gables promised her that, despite losing her father at the age of 12, one day she might still have the loving family of her dreams. Princess Diana was proof that maybe there was more to being a good girl after all. And yet, as Jen grew up, she began to recognize the ways in which pop culture was not made for someone like her the child of Chinese immigrant parents who looked for safety in the invisibility afforded by embracing model minority myths. Jen is a master of weaving together key moments in pop culture with stories of her own failings, longings, and struggles as she carves her own path as an Asian woman, single mom, and writer. So, ladies... This memoir is just it's just full of so much, so many emotions uh, revealing and and peeling back the layers. Um, There's yeah, there's there's a lot going on and uh, a deep appreciation, I think, for the ways culture shapes us. Jen draws direct lines between the spectacle of the popular, our personal bonds and collective obsession. So what were you thinking when you wrapped it up? Simone? It was a lot to unpack in this one, but I just loved how real she was and how raw she was. And I related to a lot of the content uh, being a South Asian woman, because some of the things how she described growing up in an Asian household, there's a lot of similarities. And just, you know, being the children of parents of immigrants and the way they view things and, um, you know, the way we are, like it, it's definitely shaped how we all turn out. And there's a lot of things like even with my parents, they didn't know how to cope with certain things. So they didn't really know how to tell us or teach those. And now as a mom myself, I try to do a better job. But it's like, yeah, there was a lot in there that I kind of related even when she took that trip to China. I remember, you know, going to India as a young kid and having similar interactions with our family there. So for me, there was a lot of that cultural stuff that I could really relate to in this book. But I just love how real and raw she was with everything she wrote. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, a very different perspective for me. I, I I don't know whether I can say this, but I, I you know, I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm so white, <laughs> you know, and I yeah. just I grew up uh, not knowing anyone of a different culture. I grew up on a farm in central Alberta. So, you know, everybody that that I grew up with is, is kind of like me. And it wasn't until I actually got to the cities that I could appreciate and learn about people from different cultures. And, you know, so reading her book, it was like so incredibly difficult, you know, for her for her grandparent to, her grandfather to want to make a better life, you know, and, and came here and all the struggles that he had and, and her parents and the struggles that they had and the choices that they made. And then, of course, for Jen herself, you know, not seeing herself anywhere in this foreign environment that she is living in and just you know in in a way I was just like I I can't really be in her place because I have never ever felt that you know to the Mm. level that she has being completely different culture and and so I was reading it just basically like kind of breathing in all of her words and and really trying to understand how she felt and she just she does an amazing job 
with the written world word, right? I mean, that's what she does. But yes. you know, she really does. She really does kind of get inside of you, and she presents her material in a way that I was able to digest and and really try to get inside of her and and try to understand what it was like growing up in East Vancouver. I mean. You know, the, the one point of reference is I lived in Vancouver for many, many years. So I love the fact she, that she's talking about, you know, going down Hastings Street or when she takes the sea bus as a 14 year old to go. Yeah. <laughs> to go get. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I'm like, oh, my God, I can see her doing it. I can see her doing it, you know. And so I really love sort of the familiarity of the surroundings of that story because it just made sense for me. I, I got it. But I just I just really loved her words. And, and, and she said that I think someone wrote, you know, you'll feel like her best friend at the end of this book. And I kind of feel like I'm getting there, you know, that I, I do feel like there's just so much a, a part of, of what she's talking about. And it really um, struck a chord with me. And I was trying really hard to understand and to learn from, from what she has written. Mm, I, f- I feel the same way because I too grew up in an area where there are very few minorities. And at times I was thinking, oh my gosh, we have so much in common. And then she describes something else in her household or, or her surroundings. I'm like, oh, but we're so not the same. You know, we're, we might be going through some similar things at a certain stage in our life and some things we enjoy because we grew up at the same time, but completely different experiences. And um, I, I love her description. Every Everything she described, you could picture it. You could, you could feel um, all the emotions she was going through and even her description of where she grew up. And if we're not from this particular spot in Vancouver and what we've heard over the years is all the, the horrible things um, that happened mm-hmm. and and to for her to describe the warmth and the goodness that came from that community I don't know it's it, it, it warmed my heart but yeah I, I felt like oh my gosh I think she could be one of my friends as well um, yeah but I, I, again like so much to learn and I, I wanted to give her a hug so many times and just hang out with her but I I quite enjoyed this well and I think too that when I'm thinking about it like some of her things that she was talking about, I have heard, and I never really thought about thought about it in the way that she has expressed it. For example, she talks about, you know, friends would come to visit and they'd be like, can you take me to Maine and Hastings? Like, like I want to I see the chaos. And she's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to take you there. And I heard that so many times when I lived in Vancouver. I had friends that would come and see me and they're like, can we go to Maine and Hastings? to see all the drug addicts and the and and she explains some of those things that all of us have heard uh, but she explains it in a way of how it how it is to her ears you know how mm-hmm. what it what it feels like from her perspective of what that really feels like and then you kind of you step back and you go yeah she's absolutely right Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting because, you know, as you both mentioned, there's so much that we can relate to just even just growing up, being a kid and feeling like you're not fitting in or a part of things. And that's something that happens to all of us. But then when you have that added layer of the cultural differences and things people don't understand, it's it's just that much more of a struggle. And that's so interesting when she, you know, certain chapters she talks about, like hating Gwyneth Paltrow. And it's just yeah, like when you're a young kid growing up and you don't see anyone like you, and as you get older and you see some people who just have it easier in life and you think, why didn't I get given 
this opportunity to just not have to struggle for everything. You know, why couldn't it have just come to me? So it's it's hard to wrap your head around that and and understand it. And especially when you're young and you're you're seeing these different relationships that your friends have and then you don't have that strong relationship. And I think it's her writing about her mom. Like I just think, um, you know, sharing mm. these stories are so important because when we get together collectively, even as a group of women or people, and we can share our struggles, it just makes it that much more real and it helps you because you can you can understand if you you never lived a life like that. Now you can understand why someone may be the way they are and what they've gone through. And you can help support each other. So I think what she did here, being able to open up and just be so real and talk about how she never felt loved or even accepted in her home. And then it became the world where she would go out and even her book editors and people wouldn't understand. They'd be trying to throw these parties with, um, you know, all all these cultural things that weren't right. Or her being compared to somebody that's a a comedian or a writer just because they were Asian, even though it had nothing to do with her being anything like them. Like, this is a part of the learning and the growing that, that we are all trying to do and understand each other. So I think books like this are so important for this reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you, and you talk about her editor and her publishers and, you know, when she wrote The End of East and uh, she was basically told it wasn't Chinese enough, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, you know, at what point do you let, yes, she's Asian, but, but can she not write about something else? Do you know what I mean? Like, can't she be allowed to write about whatever she wants to write about. Why does she have to write about Chinese stories? And and so it, a lot of her essays in this book is sort of exploring that. It's like, look, I am not, I don't fit into the, the good Chinese girl, right? And even like I when, have some pretty bad thoughts and I have some like, you know, pretty racy things going on. I want to write about that. And yet she was like, uh, couldn't felt like she couldn't tonight yeah anyway <laughs> well even when her friend called her a banana like you know I know growing up yes. like South Asian yeah. you could be called a coconut <gasps> and it's like you're never brown enough you're not Asian enough and it's like you can only be you and express right. how you yeah. do but this is when it's it's hard to go through that that part yes. was kind of tough to to read about as well we all you know have our own quirkiness and you know growing up is a mm-hmm, challenge at mm-hmm. different stages your hormones are all over the place but then you're surrounded by people who are telling you this is who you are this is yeah. you know this is the box you you know file yourself under here and so then after a while you think wait now i've got layers of quirkiness now according to you you and you and so now i just have to to go along with it like i I don't because uh, I, I feel like I'm always very, very much a, a quirky person, have been for a very long time. But this level um, to be, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I, I just I can't imagine um, after reading what she had gone through and just, you know, touching on the surface of a few things, a few moments in her life. It's just, ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she did a yes. great it's a lot. It's a lot. And I think she did a great job because she was able to pack in a lot of information in a chapter. Like you felt like you got the overall experience. Like it didn't, you know, she didn't have to go on and on and on about something. Like she summarized 
key things very well. Like, because it's not a, a long book, but you get a taste of kind of all these different experiences. So I thought she did a really great job with the way she wrote it, because it was easy to kind of digest what was happening and then understand it and then be able to move on to another chapter. Yeah. And this whole, this whole book is about, you know, pop culture and how uh, you know, definitely her parents patterned themselves off of what they were seeing on TV and, you know, try to to um, become part of the Vancouver community. And, and she's talking about all of the pop culture that, that affected her. And like, do you guys have a guilty pleasure of, of someone that affected you when you were growing up or, or even now? Yeah, always kind of mm-hmm. throwing myself into it, whatever decade it might be yeah. as an escape, I think. <laughs> Yeah, growing up for me, like I was a quiet kid, I was shy. And so it was like, you know, the shows like Saved by the Bell or Full House, where you've got like the Kelly Kapowski and like the DJ Tanner, you've got these pretty girls and they're fitting in. And it was just like, you know, I would that would be my escape to just kind of see what they would do. And like how because obviously, I grew up in a South Asian family. So it was very different. And then you see, you're learning how like this Caucasian family is is how they run things and how they do things. So I think for me growing up, those were kind of the shows that sucked me in. And then as you get older, it's like the whole 90210 because it gets racy yes. and fiery and you're like, ooh, this is this is teaching me a lot because I never got to have a lot of conversations like with my parents because it was like they were there were a lot of topics they just didn't talk about because that's how they were raised. You just don't talk about certain things. So I feel like being first generation, I had to learn a lot of stuff similar to probably Jen from these kind of shows. And I, I mean, I wasn't much of a reader. So she was, you know, learning a lot through the Anna Green Gables and the books like that. But I think we when you're growing up, if there's something that's missing, you're searching for it, whether that's on TV or in a book or through your friends. You're kind of looking to get certain answers when you're not getting them. And maybe in this day and age, it's kids Googling stuff and just figuring it out when when they don't have anyone to ask, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned Anne of Green Gables. She really did find herself fitting into Anne's role as an orphan and, and not fitting in, like always trying to find herself. Yeah, I was, that was one of the things that, that really resonated with me because I have all of the Anne of Green Gables stories <laughs> and I remember, <laughs> and oh my goodness, I remember, you know, staying up late at night. My sister and I shared a room until we actually went away as adults and, and I would be the one in the corner with the light on reading Anne of Green Gables and then and then they made it and then you know CBC made it into a into a series and mm-hmm. I just loved it and I loved it because Anne was just so quirky and just and just like so misunderstood and she just had so many thoughts in her head and I was sort of that same kid you know so I was I was living kind of vicariously through her when pretty much the rest of my family was not like me and uh, and I was almost looking at those books for justification on how I was feeling and the thoughts that were going on in my head. And I'm like, well, Anna's like this, you know? <laughs> so yeah. That's what really resonated yeah. with me. A, a lot of there's a lot in the book. But yeah, that that definitely for me, for sure. And it's interesting how she went back and, you know, you know, she grew up watching the Joy Luck Club and then she went and watched it again. Like, you know, it's interesting. Have either of you gone back and like reread books that you were obsessed with reading when you were younger or rewatched a movie from that time? 
Yes. And then think, wow, that was really inappropriate. (laughs) 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 That would not fit with what we've got going on today. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Maybe not so much some of the books, but definitely some of the some of the shows, some of the movies that uh, we were brought up that were happening and, and airing at the time. Sometimes it's it's also about when you read stuff too, right? Like Joy Light Club, she, you know, she read it when she was 14, thought it was awesome. And then when she was 17 and, you know, you lots of hormones going on, lots of stuff going on. She hated it. And then she read it, you know, much later in life after she had a child. And so at these different points in her life, a lot of stuff happening. So sometimes you can read or view the same thing, but at different times in your life, and it's going to affect you in a completely different way. Yeah. Just because of where you're at, right? Just because of where you're mm-hmm. at. Yeah, definitely for sure on that. What was your guys' favorite chapter? Ooh. 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 <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'll just say, okay, like for me, it was the bad girl. Okay. That was sort of it for me because... You know, we all want to be seen for for who we are, and Deb, you touched on this a little bit earlier. But you know, we're but we're we're often shaped by our environments, uh, culture, and all that kind of stuff. And we hope that you know, by the time we get into later adulthood, that we finally find out who we are. So she was, you know, Jen was constantly grappling with like being the good Chinese girl, but she had all these thoughts and she's like, "But I I want to be the bad girl. I want to write about this stuff." And so. When she saw some of these, you know, when she read, I think, The Runaway, um, I can't remember the name of the author, but she read The Runaway and she really connected with that book about this girl who ran away at 14 and lived on the streets in Vancouver and wrote this really powerful memoir herself and um, and different actresses that, that she has seen and how she went, oh, I can do that. I can get up on stage and say really raunchy things about my vagina and just be totally okay with that. Whereas in her culture, she could never do that. Like there was like these rules she had to follow and she never felt like she fit. So that chapter I just really kind of connected with because I think we're all trying to figure out, you know, who we are and, and we all have similar boundaries that we work with either familial or friends or whatever that we're trying to get past because it doesn't really define who we are, you know? So I just really love that chapter. Yeah, I don't know what it would be for me. Um, I, I did like the the Rihanna fantasy mm, and, mm-hmm. you know, comparing what Rihanna had gone through with that awful relationship and what would she yeah. have done? What mm-hmm. would she have... You know, if she was boss or if she was in charge and I, I thought, I mean, throughout the book, uh, you know, Jen is so open, so honest and, and throwing it all out there. Um, I think like Rihanna, she has a lot of strength. And even though she was kind of being pushed in so many different corners or, or a certain box or a certain category, um, I think she showed a lot of determination and strength and you know what this is the way i'm going to roll I, this is this is my mm-hmm. scene this is my life um so I, I i did like that chapter and also when she was talking about i can't remember where where it was but also a lot of references about the kardashians and and chris yeah yeah the perfect mother that chapter the perfect, the perfect mother, mother that's mother. what it was yes mm-hmm. yeah I so liked that there was one too. A lot going on in, in that chapter, wasn't there? 
Yeah, I liked that one. I like the I like that one just because it was interesting how she was comparing it to her situation. You know, she said Chris Jenner has five daughters. My mom had five daughters, but Chris Jenner is so in tuned. You know, granted it's a business venture, uh, but she's so in tuned yeah. with each of her child's needs and like what they're capable of doing. Like she's so connected to that part of them, which is interesting because you know, as a mother, like that's what you try to do. You try to nurture the talents your children have and hopefully give them the tools. Um, and she's someone who it seems like has been able to do it. And um, I like the Princess Diana chapter, how she was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of her yeah. own way, a little bit different than the royals. And, uh, you know, she was coming into her own. And then I really like the Justin Bieber chapter. Yeah. About how he was this, I think that was called genius. He was this bad boy. And then his wife came along and she's able to kind of be that support for him to calm him. And now nobody on his team has to really worry about him. And so I was like, that takes a big person too, to be that selfless and just focus on your partner, whoever it is, and give up so much of yourself to be their cheerleader, to make sure they're always happy. It was a little relatable to me in the sense that I remember I had like, I was so busy doing radio and TV and all this stuff. And then when I had my kids, like it couldn't be both of us running around with like our heads cut off. Like one of us kind (laughs) of had to take a step back. So my husband really got to thrive in his work where I felt like I had to kind of more support him and and take that back seat. But now as they've gotten older, I feel like we're, I'm kind of getting a little bit of my groove back. But, uh, (laughs) But it's a big thing to do when you give up a lot of yourself for someone else, you know? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I I also like maybe the cougar uh, portion of that. Yeah, the painter. The painter, yeah. You know what? I gasped. I'm like, she slept with Matt? Good for you. (laughs) I did enjoy that. I thought, yes, girl. Yes, yes. Yeah, there was a there was a lot. I, I think I actually like to, to read it again um, because there was so much to absorb and, and I was really with her. I was feeling feeling it all. But, um, you know, I guess like she went back to read a lot of, you know, the books and, and things that that she grew up with and, and had uh, close by her over the years. I think I'd like to go back and, and go through her own stories again. Yeah, definitely would be one to reread for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And once again, we are thrilled to be able to speak with the author of this incredible book, Superfan, How Pop Culture Broke My Heart. Jen Sukfong Lee joins us now. Hello. 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 <laughs> We're so excited to chat with you today. Yeah, same. Well, Jen, we are so super excited to have you here. And I think we've all become a super fan of yours because of super fan and your work. It is raw. It's powerful offers a lot of important life nuggets to digest, giving the reader time to reflect on how much we've all been influenced by pop culture, and then some. So when did you decide to write Superfan, and how important was it to you? Um, I started thinking about writing it uh, in about 2017, which was a while ago. But um, what happened was is that I found myself always, like, you know, like at dinner parties or out with friends, and I would say something like, have you seen, you know, The Bachelor, the last season of The Bachelor? And inevitably, there's always someone who says, oh, I don't watch reality television, or I don't care about the Kardashians. You know, I only, I don't know, go to uh, high art museums and and read really thick books. (laughs) (laughs) Which I do those things, too, in fairness. But I and I found myself sort of defending the reasons why I loved something and how they were important to me or important to 
sort of society or culture in general. And then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to make this into a book. Well, fantastic job. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Like we definitely related to to a lot of the material that you were covering in, in terms of popular culture, like with Bob Ross. <laughs> I just, I love like when you were writing about that. Yeah, I know. Well, just just you know how you talked about his soothing voice, and and you're sitting there with your sisters, and 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 it's that voice, and it's also the. You can do whatever you want. You're in control. He's in control of the picture. So he can create a cloud or a tree or do whatever. And, and how you relate it going, well, yeah, I, I can actually do that, too. It's okay to do that. Yeah. And I think the best thing about Bob Ross, you know, for me and, and I think for a lot of people, is that sometimes he would make a mistake and you would watch him do it. And he would say, it's okay. It's just a happy little accident. And we're just going to fix yes. it and move on. And I thought, you know what? Wouldn't all of our anxieties be better if we all just treated it like happy little accidents? <laughs> <laughs> so much so. <laughs> Jen, this is Simone. Um, I grew up in Vancouver, so I related to a lot of this um, when you were sharing a lot about the locations. But I, I'm also South Asian. So, so many of your references relate to me, like just growing up here and people not understanding the different cultures, the way our homes are, the way our families are. So that was really neat. And it's, it's so great to have someone like you write about these experiences because I was telling Tanya and Deb you know Tanya was saying growing up white like on a farm in Alberta it was a lot of things she couldn't relate to and you know growing up here in such a diverse city I think it's so important to share these conversations and the way we grew up Um, so those who don't understand can understand us and for those of us going through it we can kind of relate and not feel so alone what's the response been like for this book whether it's from the the Asian community or the overall community? It's funny because I I always think about sort of who I am, like uh, sort of culturally and racially, and I think that it's often really important for, for example, emerging, um, you know, racialized women of color who want to be writers. I think it's important for them to even see me and important for me to write about, you know, uh, my family and, and the ways that we grew up. But the response is, is hilarious to me because I get a lot of people who so far um, who grew up, you know, maybe they were, you know, had immigrant parents or whatever, and they relate really hard to what I'm writing about in Superfan. But also from people who uh, grew up, um, you know, in white families or they grew up in rural places, they're also connecting to it too, because I think that the process of being a fan of something in popular culture is genuinely more universal than even I thought it was. I mean, I knew it was, but also I think that that part of you know, looking at something that's really popular and sort of omnipresent and having an emotional engagement with it because of something that's going on in your life. I don't think there's anybody in this world that doesn't have that experience. So it's been great on both sides, I feel. Yeah, so we're talking about how um, we're feeling a connection. You're offering this connection to so many of us, feeling all the emotions like a friend. And at times, it's a friend that we shared so much with, Yet we had such different experiences in that very same space. Yeah, but isn't that like a fascinating thing to me is that we, um, you know, like for me, especially uh, seeing like Asian women represented in in media was just not a thing. It did not happen for me at all up until I was probably in my 30s. Um, But I think that the sharing of these stories is what great friendships are really are the foundation of great friendships. And 
um, it's so nice that, you know, people are reading this book and like feeling that they're my friend because like that's like a lot of friends I didn't have before. And like that's good. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get together. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but even you mentioned the representation when you're being compared to other uh, writers or comedians only for the reason that you're Asian. Like, that's tough, like tough to digest because you obviously are your own person. Yeah, that was that happened a lot for me, especially when I was in sort of, you know, my late 20s and early 30s. I remember I went to a very fancy literary event uh, around the time, you know, I did maybe one or two books out. And um, I talked to this like very prestigious, you know, quite famous older male writer. And I talked to him about 20 minutes before I realized he thought I was somebody else, like like another Asian female writer. And I was like, okay. And then I remember him asking me how that person's husband was. And I was like, don't know. know." (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, no. (laughs) It's all right. It happened a lot. But it doesn't happen to me so much anymore. But that's probably because I'm a little bit older. (laughs) Jen, one of the overall themes of the book is your relationship with your mom. How difficult would you say it was to write about your mother in such a real open way and about like, you know, what she couldn't offer you that you needed? Parts of it were easier than others. I think that a lot of that stuff uh, I wrote about from my childhood and adolescence is quite old. So these are things that I've, you know, let's be honest, dealt with in therapy. So that's fine. And I have some distance. I think that what is harder to write about are the things that are more recent. Um, Having said that, it was shockingly not that hard for me, and I don't know what that says about my psychology. (laughs) It's interesting because, you know, as as women, we all have very varying amounts of challenges with our mothers. Like, I don't know what it is. It's like we kind of grow up wanting to just disagree with every single thing that they say. But, you know, in reading your book about um, your mother, there were so many parts of it that were just heartbreaking for me to to read about and how you would say I I felt you know as a reader I'm like oh my goodness how can you be so mean Mm -hmm. to that little girl you know and you have you know in your family of daughters you know and uh and like how like I guess you said you dealt with all of that in therapy, but you know, as you're going through it to be constantly kind of told that you you don't matter, like how do you go beyond that? That is just so challenging. It is really, and I think that, you know, like you say, a lot of people grow up with conflicted relationships with their mothers, and I'm certainly not the only one, but I I will say that I think that my main purpose for you know, going to counseling when I was younger and and still now and also for writing this book is that I really needed to understand why my mother was the way that she was. Um, And I Mm -hmm. think that when we have conflicted relationships with people, if we start to understand the context in which um, they became who they are, like their childhoods, um, the traumas in their lives, it's much, much easier to go through your life with a sense of resolution in a way because, you know, somebody like my mom became the way she is through so many factors that were not of her own choosing. And I feel yeah. like that way I I developed a lot of empathy for her. And and I should say that my mother is now in her 80s and is actually quite pleasant. So I, I was going know. to ask you whether your mom is still is still with us. Like I was I wanted to know about that relationship now. Yeah, she is 
alive and well. She's actually in very good health. I just had a launch party for my book yesterday, and she was there having a good time. Uh, so she's, uh, yeah, no, we're doing much better now. Like I said, in her older age, she's definitely mellowed out. There aren't too many edges left anymore. <laughs> but I think, you know what, that's relatable because, you know, and I think that's just um, how our parents as immigrants, like they were raised a different way. When they were back home, it was different. They come here. They're just trying to survive and create a better life for those of us who are born here. But do you think it's tough sometimes because, you know, growing up, I had a lot of stuff for my parents. They had no idea what I was doing. And now when I tell my mom things, she's like, what? What? And I was like, you had no idea, like, because you didn't have those conversations. And I'm a mother of two. And now I try to understand like how I grew up and just have open conversations with my children to kind of know what they're up to. Do you feel like you're kind of still sandwiched in like, trying to learn how to adult yourself sometimes because of the way we grew up? Oh, 100%. I grew up with a double life. This is no, I was one way at home and another way out in the world, right? Um, And I think that we grew up with this fear of disappointing our parents who are, the family survival is so dependent on what their children do. So they're really hard on us that way. Um, And I think like, it's my biggest nightmare that my child, that my son would grow up and have a double life. And I feel Mm. that that double life, sort of the, the impulse to do a lot of things without your parents knowing hasn't really gone away. I think that there are still a lot of things in my life I could share with my mother, and I just don't because I don't know how to. Mm-hmm. I, I really do not know. Like, how am I going to sit down with my mom and be like, I just went on a date last night with this guy. <laughs> and, like, you know, maybe he tried to kiss me or whatever. I'm not going to tell my mom those things. Like yeah. I, and, and some people have those relationships with their mothers. I certainly do not. Um, but I really do hope that I will have that kind of a relationship with my child. One can dream. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that, about your relationship with your son. And it's like, you know, when we think about our parents, you know, parents do make sacrifices. And certainly when we're growing up, it's like you you understand, like you talk about your dad and, and how he found, you found the book of the art that he had done, his writing and stuff. And you just, and you think about like your parents' hopes and dreams, you know, and, and then how they, how they change. And, and then as you parent, you know, how you're going to kind of move forward knowing all of that. And yeah, some of us develop um, adult relationships with our parents. They become almost like a best friend, and, and, and some of us don't. It's not a judgment at all. It's just sort of what happens. <laughs> you know what? It just is what it is, and I, and I don't, you know, my mom and I are pretty close, but like I said, I, I don't tell her, like, my, my deepest feelings. <laughs> I, just, I don't even know how to, which is fine. That's what your girlfriends are for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what my dog is for, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> So this 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 whole book, Jen, is uh, you know pop culture and all that. Is is there something within pop culture like right now that you're kind of really in tap with or that you really connected with? You know, there's always a lot. I I think a lot mm. about um, this is strange, but I think a lot about Paul Mescal, who was in Ordinary People, no Ordinary Normal People, the the movie that was made from the novel by Sally Rooney, because I think he's really handsome. I think about him. He's an Irish actor. Please Google him. You will see what I mean. Um, and um, I all writing it down. I, yeah, I am still really interested in how the Kardashian Jenner family is going to continue to stay relevant because I think uh, the core of their business is to always be relevant. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious now because Kim and Courtney are in their 40s, and I'm just really curious how 
they're going to continue to hold on to an audience and also sort of their relevance is dependent on them getting new fans too. And how are they going to do that? Um, so that is, that's been my kind of like, I like to watch them as like a social experiment. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. There was a while there I stopped watching them. And now just these last couple of years, I've kind of gotten back into it because you're right. Like the fact that they are able to stay relevant, it's different than like a real housewives where it's like, you're like, what is made up? What is real? Why are we throwing glasses of wine every week? Whereas here, it's like they're almost like much real and raw. And it's it's a way to relate. And I feel like that's how your book is. Like, it's it's got all this relatable stuff. The chapters are, they're so jam-packed with so much goodness in, in, like, you know, just that many pages. You were able to do that so well. So I really commend you for, for writing this book because uh, the more we can all talk and share and be open with our experiences, I think we're all just going to help each other no matter how you grew up. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you for saying such nice things to me on a Monday morning. <laughs> It's true. No, we all talked about this in our discussion. Like we really, really thoroughly enjoyed this book. And we kind of talked on our favorite chapters and how we related to some of those pop culture moments. I know, Tanya, you had a question about uh, a recent movie. Yes, yes. Um, Jen, I, I, I read that you have seen everything everywhere all at once. I have not seen it. One of my girls, girlfriends has seen it. And she's a filmmaker. And she's like, it is just some kind of crazy. Like, what is your what is your thoughts on, on this film, I'd like, I'd really love to know. Okay, yeah, here's my thoughts on it. You cannot watch that movie without just completely giving into it. It's going to feel a little wild. It's going to feel like you don't know what's going on, but it almost doesn't matter. And you, once you give into the world and stop thinking too hard, the movie actually makes a lot of sense. But my feeling about this movie is that as much as I loved it, and I did, but not everybody will, it, it's not the sort of movie that, like, you know, is going to play to every everybody in the audience because it's quite a strange piece of filmmaking. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what my opinion on that movie is, is that I am so happy to see an Asian-led film allowing itself to be weird. So we have, you know, a lot yeah. of, like, European auteurs doing weird, weird films. But this is the first time in North America, in the Western market, that an Asian film has been artsy and strange and polarizing. And I am so happy to see it occupying that space. Yeah, and it's amazing to see all the nominations coming through for it. <laughs> you know, I am going to go see that movie. And I kind of refer back to when um, you wrote an excerpt in your book where you, where you had put out a novel and they said it wasn't Chinese enough. And... Yeah. And I thought my heart just broke at that because I thought, you know, when are we going to get to a place where we don't look at someone in terms of race and we can just let them be who they are? And if they want to write raunchy novels or they want whatever, just let them do what they want. Don't don't come in with some preconceived idea of who this person is based on what they look like. And I and I feel like as we see more and more of these movies, we see more and more novels. I think it just it just opens up the world and it gets us closer to that space. Do you think do you think we're going to get there? I, I think we're getting there. And I think that it's been yeah. one of the most, I would say, like, you know, I work in publishing, right? So for the last 15 years, I've seen a, a real change. I mean, it's been slow, but there's been change. And I, it, it's one of the great joys of my life to see uh, particularly authors, but all creators uh, who are from, you know, traditionally underrepresented groups being allowed to tell the stories they want to tell, whatever it is. And I think that for so long, we were 
Asian women in particular were only really allowed to write sort of sad intergenerational trauma stories and Mm -hmm. see that people are being funny to see that people are being like weird and like to see all of that occurring is one of the greatest happinesses of my life. It makes me genuinely so joyful to see that. And it's just to normalize all that. Like, what is weird to one person is not weird to another. And, like, kids grow up with so much pressure, this whole Instagram world of trying to be perfect. There needs to be more just be you because there's no one like you. And don't Mm -hmm. give in to this whole, like, I have a perfect home and the perfect family and I have this. Like, nobody has the perfect life. Let's all just be real. Um, And, you know, it's so important to just be raw and open, especially for this next generation. So I hope more younger uh, people really read your book as well, because I think it's just more authors like you who are educating us and sharing experiences, good or bad. It's it's just an important thing to do. Um, Jen, what's last question? Like, what is next for you? Uh, see, I have to paint my kitchen walls. But the other <laughs> thing is, uh, I, I am writing a horror novel right Ooh. now. So it's a little spooky. <laughs> Okay, well, we where look did forward that, to where, that. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> where did this come from? Uh, I just love horror. I've always loved horror. Ah. And I got this idea about... So in, um, in Asian countries, ghost stories, demon stories are a real big deal. People love it. And I thought, well, what great source material for me to use sort of the ghost stories that, like, my grandma would tell or whatever. And let's put them in contemporary day Canada and let's see what happens. Let's set the ghosts free. Ooh, I like that. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Jen. Um, uh, we really appreciate you you answering these questions for us. And like I said, all three of us really loved uh, the book. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Enjoy the rest. Thank you of your, so much, Jen. Enjoy the rest thank of your day. You. It's actually sunny in Vancouver today. <laughs> oh, <know>. Yay! <laughs> thank you all so much. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you for kicking back and relaxing with us. We hope you'll join us again on Relaxing Reads.